Community Radio 2 Double X 98.3 FM. You are listening to the Fuzzy Logic Science Show. My name is Rod, and we have special guests today. We are talking about the subject of paper. Paper being one of those things we all take for granted. We have it every day. We use it every day. It sits on our table. We use it to clean ourselves with. But what's it made of, and where does it come from? I'm very pleased to say that our special guest today on Fuzzy Logic is Dr. Tom Rainey from the Queensland University of Technology. Also in the studio this morning, first time on Fuzzy Logic, Kiri. G'day, Kiri. Hello, how are you? And Michael, who joins us for the second time, we're going to be talking paper. G'day, Michael. Hey, how you going? Now, uh, Tom, just give us, uh, I think paper is probably one of those things that we tend to take for granted because it just sits around and does stuff, we use it, and can you give us a quick description of what paper actually is? I mean, what is it made from, and what's it like at the, at the molecular level, for example? Yeah, sure. Okay, paper is made from many, uh, from many different kinds of plant material. It's most commonly made from uh, wood chips, for example. Uh, about 90% of um, paper production is from wood chips, and uh, about 10% of uh, paper production is from other uh, sorts of plants, uh, particularly sugarcane and wheat straw and cotton and these kinds of things. So what happens is um, you uh, basically, in order to make a sheet of paper, you have to break down the structure of the plant into uh, its constituent of uh, cell cellular components. And this can be done either by a mechanical uh, procedure um, where they grind the, the wood chips up basically or it can be a, a chemical procedure um, in which case uh, you're, you're dissolving out the, uh, the, the, the uh, adhesive in the plant to uh, try and get it to, um, uh, to, to break down. So once, it's all, uh, once all the uh, plant has been broken down, um, then it's uh, basically slurried up in a suspension of water. So imagine if you get a whole bunch of uh, toilet paper, for example, and you uh, uh, put it in a bucket filled with water and you mush it up. Uh, then what you do is you, uh, you, you, you drain this uh, suspension of fibre and water over a continuous moving belt and that creates a, a, a thin, wet sheet of uh, paper which is then dried. Um, so, yeah. Well, if we were to look at a sheet of paper under a high-powered microscope, what would we see? Yeah, it's um, it's simple sort of uh, paper uh, that you're making. Uh, for example, there's four main uh, categories of paper. There's uh, newsprint, which is for like newspapers, um, packaging like boxes and so on, um, uh, photocopy and writing paper, and tissue as well. Now. Um, uh, most of those uh, types of uh, papers have uh, quite a lot of uh, fillers and additives and, and stuff in there. Um, and it's, uh, in, in the case of tissue, though, tissue has quite a bit less um, additives than something like photocopy and writing paper. Now, these additives are added to uh, try and get a smooth uh, finish so it can feed through the photocopy better so that it will print, uh, print better and so on. Which is not uh, which is not important to something like tissue, and is less important to something like boxes as well. Um, so what you would see is uh, um, it is like the, the the cells of the uh, of the plant uh, overlaid uh, over the top of one another, but filled in with uh, all sorts of uh, inorganic uh, fillers like clay and um, um, various other inorganic compounds. 
Now, Tom, I remember when I was um, a little kid at school, we used to try and make recycled paper. We'd get a whole bunch of old paper and smush it together and kind of flatten it out and dry it. Um, But it looked very different to the stuff that we use to write on every day, the stuff we print on. How does it get so white and, you know, how do we get that kind of premium quality paper that um, it's obviously just, you know, a bunch of cells from a plant, but, um, yeah, it seems really refined. So what's the actual process that goes into that? Yeah, sure. Okay. White papers are made by a chemical uh, process. So um, in, in, in the process, what happens is you add uh, wood chips, um, uh, to wood chips you add a whole bunch of chemicals um, uh, to dissolve out the, uh, the, the adhesive, which is called lignin. It's a dark brown colour. Um, and once that's still removed, uh, what's left is the cellulose and the hemicellulose, and it's, uh, it's actually a fairly white, um, these compounds are fairly white, but in order to, re- uh, to, to remove the rest of the colour, um, it needs to go through a bleaching um, process. So uh, there's, there's several types of um, um, bleaching uh, um, mechanisms that you can use, for example, peroxide or chlorine dioxide, um, and um, these, these vary in their um, environmental performance and, uh, and, and cost, basically. And uh, the, the objective is to try and get it as white as possible. Um, and the whiter that you can make it, the more you can charge. Okay. It sounds it sounds a little bit nasty, though, as well. Using is it, How does it affect the environment in terms of using um, you know, these kind of harsh compounds like peroxides and bleaches? Yeah, the, um, there's... there's um uh, basically three different levels of bleaching um, there's, um, there's there's basically chlorine bleaching which is not uh, not currently recognised as, uh, as being a, a, a best practice there's um, uh, something called uh, elements of chlorine 3 which DTS uh, that has um, fairly uh, limited um, and, and minimal uh, effects on the environment but there are uh, it does contain uh, chlorine dioxide and the third one is um, uh, totally chlorine-free TCS uh, bleaching, which uh, which is like peroxide and ozone bleaching and so on. So um, as you go through that list, the the the, the less environmental impact there is on it, the higher the cost um, of of the bleaching process. Uh, and uh, I mean, Australia has some fairly strong environmental legislation, uh, uh, so. Uh, any, uh, I'm quite confident in the fact that um, any uh, new factory that would be, um, you know, built in Australia would would have to adhere to uh, uh, very stringent uh, guidelines. That's good to know. Um, uh, but but yeah, I mean, having said that, I mean, my personal preference is uh, for a totally chlorine-free uh, process. So, yeah. And uh, Tom, what exactly is a, a soda AQ chemical process? Well, we hit the t- hit the takeoff questions there. Eh? Yeah, no, okay. Uh, Soda AQ. Um, right. Uh, if you go if you go back in time <laughs> to um, one of the first um, processes that was used was um, the soda process, which is sodium hydroxide. Um, now, uh, after that time, they they found that um, some sulfide compounds when they were added to uh, uh, to the soda process. Um, it made the paper a lot stronger, uh, and this is known as the craft process. Um, uh, it's, it's a very, it produces very strong paper, and this is the international like, benchmark. So the vast majority of chemical pulp is made like this. 
Uh, HGU um, uh, is anthraquinone, which is a, a pulping catalyst. Okay. Um, so it's used in very low amounts, and um, it has the benefit of uh, in, improving the um, uh, the strength of the paper and um, also increasing the, uh, the the yield of the um, pulping reaction as well. So for a very little um, after you can, by applying the catalyst, you can actually improve uh, the quite quite. So um, it's it's a fair, the soda process is a fairly crude process. So by adding this uh, this catalyst, you can actually uh, create a pulp which is similar to um, uh, a craft pulp, which has uh, all the sulfides and stuff added. Um, so. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Tom, let's talk about some of the sources for fibre because, you know, we love our trees. I like to hug a tree. They're beautiful big things and they keep our koalas safe. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there is more than one source for where we can get our pulp from. And so if we want to protect our forests, what are our alternatives? Yeah, sure. Um, the, the two main alternatives uh, that, are, that are used uh, are sugarcane bagasse and wheat straw. So um, these these two uh, raw materials are um, basically byproducts of another industry. So uh, in in the case of sugarcane, uh, the the cane has been harvested and it's been crushed, and uh, and all the um, uh, and the fibrous residue, which is called bagasse, uh, is is sent to the boilers for, for combustion. Overseas, they use that a lot for um, paper manufacture, and the advantage of that, um, of, of making paper from sugar cane as opposed to wood, is that um, all of the, uh, the, the sugar factory has already paid for the collection costs, and uh, because the, the fibres there are available all collected at site, you don't have the... Um, uh, the, the carbon costs associated with the uh, uh, collection, the harvesting, and the transport of the um, uh, of the material to the factory, as opposed to uh, um, wood-based uh, paper production. So, are, are we using bagasse at the moment? Uh, there's no um, bagasse uh, paper manufacturing in Australia at the moment. Um, so, this is uh, this is an area in which I've done some research. Um, and yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a topic which is particularly close to my heart. So uh, yeah, no, I'm hopeful that in the future uh, there will be some uh, sugarcane-based supplements. And do we have enough sugarcane in this country to to have a to have a future in bagasse as paper? Yes, I think so. Um, there's, uh, I mean, the the amount of um, sugarcane in any uh, for some of the bigger regions. Um, is, uh, is 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 not so much that um, it's going to uh, totally wipe out our uh, imports of uh, of paper. You see, there's there's over two billion dollars worth of imported paper products uh, in Australia, and um, so uh, what what happens is uh, most for the most part we export our wood chips and we import um, uh, paper products. Uh, so. Um, there's quite a big market that we could um, substitute imported uh, pest products with something like um, locally grown uh, sugarcane. So, so that's that's no problem. The the main one of the main considerations for the gas pest manufacturers is that usually um, the uh, the capital cost that is required to build a factory is very high. So um, you need quite a large amount of fibre to uh, make it uh, economically viable. Yeah, because at the moment. Um Paper production actually it outweighs the amount of pulp that is being created, isn't it? Yeah, 
there's we need more paper than more pulp and uh is recycled paper taking a larger a larger chunk in the industry is it growing a lot uh to be honest i i don't work a lot with uh, recycled um paper products so I'd, I'd have to defer that question from my colleagues i'm afraid um i, I work mainly with uh virgin uh, fiber so the fiber that's never been um before. But there's also different levels of recycled fiber as well. I mean, there's uh, recycled boxes and recycled uh, mixed office waste and, and mm. so on. So, uh, uh, recycled, even amongst recycled paper, uh, you know, there's quite a um, uh, difference in types as well. So, uh, Tom, what are the main uh, differences in the paper that you produce with bagasse versus wood chip? Yeah, sure. Um, the uh, bagasse. Because the sugarcane has gone through this quite severe crushing um, uh, to extract the juice which contains the sugar, the, the, the fibres have been quite damaged. Um, so one of the problems is that the, um, is that the uh, paper tends to be fairly weak. The other problem with um, sugarcane is that um, it has a very large proportion of very, very short fibres. So if you imagine our bucket of... Uh, tissue paper which has been slurried up. If you imagine that these fibres are little cylinders and they overlay one another and the water uh, drains through the pores in the, uh, in, in, this, uh, in the sheet as it forms, what happens in sugarcane is because, because of these very short fibres that the plant has, um, which are necessary for sugar production, uh, these blocks the, the pores in the in the sheet of paper, and that um, means that product, productivity is reduced by about 25 to 30 uh, percent. So, changing over from a wood-based uh, pulp to a uh, sugarcane-based pulp uh, has some implications on how much paper you can make in a day. Thomas, uh, oh, sorry, is um, there any way that we can just use bagasse to substitute some of the wood that we use? So instead of you know making a kind of a weaker product out of just bagasse, can we somehow substitute maybe 10, 20% of, of the paper what, we make so from So it wood? becomes like a blend. Yeah, so it becomes kind of like the 10% ethanol petrol that you get when you kind oh, yeah, of, yeah. Is there yeah. a way of doing that? Yeah, uh, that's, that's actually what um, most paper manufacturers do, is they, they add certain components to achieve a certain particular property. For, um, um, so, uh, for example, some of the uh, fibre might be there to give it a, a good strength, some of the fibre might be there to um, give it a particular um, uh, surface texture, texture for example. Uh, so, so the idea is that um, uh, you would actually... As you say, as you rightly point out, is you, you have maybe 10, 10% of uh, sugarcane just to substitute for some of the, uh, the, uh, the wood pulp that we uh, probably import from overseas. <laughs> so. Yeah. So you are listening to the Fuzzy Logic Science Show on Community Radio 2 X 98.3 FM. My name is Rod. We are talking paper today, and our special guest from Queensland on the blower is Dr. Tom Rainey, research fellow from the Centre for Tropical Crops and Biocommodities. And also in the studio, helping me with the duties today, Kiri and Michael. Now, I think we might play a little bit of music. Here's a bit more Beatles, and guess why I'm choosing this one? Uh, seems appropriate for our theme today on 2XX.
and Norwegian Wood from the Beatles. You are listening to the Fuzzy Logic Science Show on Community Radio 2XX. My name is Rod and special guest Dr. Tom Rainey, research fellow from the Centre of Tropical Crops and Biocommodities. We are talking paper. So what is the actual uh, process of a, a pulp mill um, with Big Acid? Does it undergo the same process that wood chips do to get the, the final product? Uh, it's, it's similar. Um, it's, it's, uh, because um, fact, uh, sugar cane based paper factories are generally a bit smaller, um, the, the process is a little bit different. So for a conventional wood based pulp mill, uh, um, it's, uh, you, you need a very large uh, chemical recovery boiler and very large uh, economies of scale. So um, some of the, uh, the, the, the reaction equipment is, is quite different. So when you put wood chips into um, uh, to, to, to cook, basically, it's about um, you know, 150 to 200 degrees, something thereabouts, and... Um, um, and you had a whole bunch of chemicals, but the uh, the type of equipment that you use is quite different because it feeds um, into a high into a into a, into a pressurised vessel quite differently from uh, sugar cane to gas, uh, which doesn't feed very well at all, unfortunately. So, um, so some of the equipment is, is different. Yeah. yeah. Is that is that a major problem at the moment to get a to get this industry up and running? The fact that are we lacking in special equipment to have these bagasse pulp bagasse pulp mills? Well, I mean, my opinion is that um, is that there is no impediment actually to a paper uh, industry um, using sugar cane bagasse, um, and um, so uh, it, it basically comes down to um, uh, selection of uh, mass and selection of what sort of process you want to make. Uh, be used to make which sorts of uh, paper. Um, so I, I'm first of the view that there's uh, definitely a market there for sugarcane-based paper manufacture, and um, um, and so I, I'm always encouraging industry to uh, to look into it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Great. Um, so Tom, I mean, you know a lot about you know bagasse and and the paper industry. I'm just I'm wondering how you managed to to get there, like what your background is, and uh, maybe what you studied as an undergrad. And, and how you, yeah, sure. um, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. Um, I studied at uh, the University of Adelaide. Actually, I studied chemical engineering. Um, so when, when I graduated from chemical engineering, uh, the first job I worked uh, for was a tissue manufacturer uh, in in the southeast corner of South Australia called um, Kimberley Clark. They make uh, <coughs> Kleenex uh, tissue and toilet paper. Yeah, I've used, I've used that stuff in the lab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's, that's kind of how I got into it initially. Now, um, from there, I was offered a position up in uh, North Queensland to... Uh, Look into um, uh, paper manufacture from, from sugarcane because uh, the research institute I was working for uh, had a, had a project funded at that time, but um, they had uh, nobody with the uh, uh, with the background to uh, to actually um, uh, undertake the project. So uh, I moved up to um, Mackay actually from uh, from uh, Mount Gambier. Uh, Eventually, what happened was that uh, my research institute was taken over by uh, Queensland University of Technology, and uh, I was moved down to, uh, to, to Brisbane to, uh, to continue to work there. Amazing. It's always amazing to find where we end up. 
yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, I must admit, I, I, I thought I'd with the uh, in the oil industry. <laughs> yeah. but, um, uh, at the time uh, when I graduated, which was about um, um, what, 1998, the oil prices were uh, extremely low, and none of the employers were uh, were employing at that time. So uh, it's a, the, the world turned on its head since then. So, uh, Tom, pulp mills, pulp paper mills, are very much in the public consciousness at the moment. What are some of the environmental impacts of having a pulp paper mill? Yeah, sure. It's um, uh, the it, it depends on how um, the effluent is discharged. There's effluent, uh, for example, um, from the bleach plant. Um, from the evaporators um, and various parts of the, the factory. Now, um, how, how all that effluent is treated um, is, is fairly critical, and it, it, it's um, it's a matter of um, both um, uh, economics and uh, legislation as well. Uh, for example, um, uh, I'm, I'm aware of one pulp mill that was built uh, recently where they have um, um, the only effluent that is produced from the factory is uh, actually. Um, uh, used to irrigate uh, the, the the farms around <laughs> around the factory, um, so so they have a very very strong um, environmental. Uh, is is conflict, it, I guess. Is that a mill in Australia or is that in, uh, one overseas? Yeah, no, that's in Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it it, it really um, it, you can make it as. Uh, Clean as you want to, but there, there comes a tipping point in which uh, you know the, the whole project becomes uh, not economic, uh, not economically viable. Um, so it's it's a bal- it's a matter of balancing the cost versus the effects of it. So what are some of the outputs from a mill? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, you have uh, normally you would have um, both um, a limited amount of air pollutants and also um, um, uh, liquid uh, uh, pollutants in the, in the liquid. So um, uh, the, the, there's, there's quite a good deal of focus on getting the uh, liquid effluent down to uh, uh, a suitable um, COD and COD suitable for um, discharge into the environment. Uh, and similarly with, um, uh, with what comes out of the stack. You see, like, with a chemical pulp mill, the lignin is dissolved, which is the uh, adhesive which binds all the tree together. Um, then that, um, in order to recover the chemicals, they concentrate up um, all the uh, all the liquid which contains the lignin and also the, the chemicals as well. They concentrate that up and then they burn it. Uh, and it burns because of the, uh, the lignin content, which is an organic uh, compound. And then they capture all the uh, inorganic uh, material, all the sodium and all the um, sulfur. So, uh, yeah, um, but obviously there's always going to be some kind of uh, um, you know, emissions up the, up the state. So sometimes uh, wood chip paper mills are known to, to I guess, produce a foul-smelling odour around them. Um, what's a big gas pulp mill? Would that produce, like, a, a foul smell in the air or...? Is it a bit cleaner? Or? Oh, that's a good question. Um, uh, the the gas pulp mills that I've been to uh, haven't had a special odour. Um, 
I mean, iodine from a factory can be uh, caused by several things. It can be caused by the chip biological activity in the chip pile yep. itself. So, so prior to um, digestion, they, uh, they they have a big mountain of chips out the front. So there's a bit of biological activity there. There can also be um, uh, odor from the um, from the process itself, and the craft process is, uh, um, has a fairly uh, strong <laughs> odor, and yeah. uh, that's uh, that's often uh, factored into um, uh, um, when when a company applies for, for permits to build a, a pulp mill. That's that's a, quite a strong issue, actually. Um, now. Although there are craft gas pulp mills out there, um, they tend not to be um, uh, used with the craft process uh, so much. Um, so we, you don't have the hydrogen sulfide and, and, and so on associated with the craft pulp mill. Yeah, okay, that's good. And I was reading, I was reading one of your papers, and I was really interested that um, you can take the pith, like the pith that you have to take out of the big gas, but then you can also use that to to help to refuel the actual pulp mill. How do you um how do you take the pith out? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, well, you've been doing your research, I can see. Um, so uh, because normally you have a okay wood has a very homogeneous, very even um, size distribution for itself, whereas um, sugar cane is a bit all over the place. So what they do is they um, they uh, separate the pith from the non-pith material. So uh, they do this through a hammer mill. So if you imagine a, um, a slotted screen, a cylindrical slotted screen, the big ass falls down through the slotted, uh, through the, the hole in the cylinder, yeah. and a big hammer uh, spins around at thousands of breaths uh, <laughs> a minute, and it just... Uh, uh, um, belts the hell out of it, basically, and um, <laughs> the the pith is pushed through the uh, through these slots, and the, anything which is bigger than this uh, just falls through. Like a giant sieve. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're taking the pith out here on Fuzzy Logic <laughs> on Kennedy Radio Two Double X. Uh, my name is Rod in the studio with me, Kiri and Michael, and we are talking to Dr. Tom Rainey, Research Fellow from the Queensland University of Technology. We're talking paper. Tom, um, I was just thinking earlier, I was looking at some of your publications and one of them was looking at, was it recommendations to the Australian industries on, on how to use the gas? Um, I'm just wondering, you did some work on that and did did much come from that? Did you manage to kind of uh, approach government bodies or uh, manage to push the use of the gas in, in Australia? Yeah, sure. Um, we uh, my, my research uh, centre was approached to um, look at a range of options for, for utilisation of, um, uh, of, of the gas um, because it's this material in Queensland which we have in uh, huge quantities um, and uh, until, you know, uh, probably, what, 10 years ago, it was mostly just uh, electricity production and steam uh, production just for the factory. Um, now, um, since then, uh, the gas is uh, used in, in Queensland for renewable uh, uh, electricity. Um, but um, at, at our research centre, we looked at a range of options, including um, fermentation into ethanol and uh, thermochemical conversions into uh, into vehicle fuel and so on, and um, and paper production as well. So obviously, that that's where I fitted into the uh, to the picture. Now. Um, the uh, the 
Uh, sorry, I've, I've lost my train of thought. What, what That's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll ask you another question. I'll, I'll ask you, so you've looked at different ways of using the gas, so ethanol and for paper. I mean, how do these kind of, how do these compare? How do they stack up? What's the best way for us to use the gas? Is it, you know, through paper milling or is ethanol a better way to roll or do we have some kind of indication from the research you've done? How we can use uh, this best? Yeah, I think I think there's even like there's a different opinion there amongst the Australian sugar industry. I mean, um, I think all all of those options are potentially viable um, ways to go. Uh, each of them has um, uh, benefits and disadvantages. I mean, uh, there's, there's no secret my preferred uh, <laughs> approach is to use it for paper manufacture. Now, the rationale behind that is that um, it's the highest value-added uh, product that you can make from um, from the gas on a large scale. Um, so basically you could use um, all of Australia's um, sugar camper gas and um, uh, and still um, not meet the Australian uh, demand for it. Uh, the, the argument for, uh, which has also been the argument for fuel as well, uh, because Australia uses a very, very large amount of fuel. Um, so that for paper manufacture, you're, because you're producing um, a material which is, you know, uh, worth a thousand, two thousand dollars a ton, uh, as opposed to um, fuel, wow. which is uh, less than half of that, um, and uh, from from a raw material which is maybe worth, you know, fifty dollars uh, a ton. Yeah. Um, there's this massive amount of value adding. The the problem with paper manufacturing, of course, is that it's a very very expensive um, process to uh, to get it started, and that's I think in part that's why there's been a bit of a focus on these other um, technologies uh, because although the re- return is not as great, the um, uh, it's, it's a lot uh, cheaper to set up as well. I'd also think that um, I mean, if you already removed the sugar from the sugar cane, wouldn't it be kind of inefficient to make ethanol? Don't you need you need that sugar to for the fermentation process? Yeah, uh, we're, we're, in terms of the gas, there's different types of um, uh, uh, ways of making, um, of fermenting um, uh, biomass into ethanol. Uh, the first generation is basically taking the, the raw sugar. Um, so you could take the juice, for example, uh, directly, which is what they do in Brazil to make uh, ethanol. Uh, you could take the molasses, which is uh, a waste product of the sugar industry. It's still about 40% sugar. Yeah. But making um, ethanol out of the lignocellulosic material, um, uh, which is a second generation um, uh, technology, it, it's much, it, it is much more difficult. And mm. there's, there's a lot of money being spent uh, around the world, the United States um, and so on, uh, as well as in Australia. Um, my, my research center does a lot of work in this area. Uh, it's, it's a difficult, uh, it's a difficult problem. But it's, uh, you know, uh, assuming one day we crack this problem, then uh, it'll be very profitable for us to make um, ethanol out of uh, out of uh, out of the uh, biomass. Well, what are some of the main challenges of getting fuel from biomass? It is a big topic right now with oil uh, production starting to peak. Yeah, the um, uh, it's a. Uh, it's, one of the problems um, is the is that with, with ethanol production that I'm aware of it, um, is the amount of energy that you get out uh, as, as opposed to uh, the amount of energy that you have to put in. Um, I, I have to I have to say up front I'm not an expert in this area and 
many of my colleagues are much more uh, um, uh, qualified to, uh, to to make these kinds of comments. Um, but that's that's my general impression. Well, well, I, ha- I have heard it said that uh, producing ethanol is basically an oil-based industry anyway, because the amount of oil you need to get it, you know, to produce the product on the farm, and then to the energy do you put into uh, processing, and then do you not produce this brew with the organic matter in it, and you're bubbling it away in a big vat, and you're generating ethanol, and then you've got to separate the ethanol because the ethanol likes water. Well, yes, <laughs> that's that's the main. That's a big criticism of this, uh, this this approach. I've done some work myself on um, thermochemical conversion of the, uh, the gas into um, um, into like uh, bio crude and so on, which is uh, basically you, uh, you you um, uh, you you heat the um, heat the gas with with a range of operating conditions and catalysts and so on, and uh, um, it's a much uh, there's there's a lot less um, input of um, um, uh, fossil fuels to, to get the whole process running, um, and, and uh, this you know this is seems a very effective um, uh, approach as well. They're, they're entirely different uh, strategies so for uh, getting uh, fuel out of um, biomass. So uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 a, it's a big thing and. Uh, if you listen to the science show, ABC Science Show yesterday, you'll hear there was a quite an interesting discussion about some breakthroughs they hope in the field of generating uh, biofuels. But uh, we are looking for alternatives for the fibre that goes into making paper. Have you looked at things such as cannabis or other other sources of fibre? Yeah, I've looked into various um, sources of fibre such as um, sweet sorghum, arundo donax, banana. Um, I've never looked at cannabis. Um, the um, uh, some of, some of the other plants that I'm I'm looking into, uh, sweet sorghum and arundo donax, these are uh, drought tolerant um, plants, um, and uh, so they requ- require very little uh, water, and they're very efficient. They're actually much more efficient than sugarcane for um, growing. Uh, uh, you know plant material um, out of very little water and in the case of Arundo Donax uh, it's, it's also saline uh, tolerant as well so some of these um, some of these plants actually have some quite uh, good prospects in Australia provided we can get a framework um, uh, to, to support <laughs> um, uh, support production of these uh, plants so yeah I am aware of an Australian company Papyrus uh, which are making uh, banana based um, uh, paper products um, and, and it's, it's quite a uh, it reminds me of some sort of artistic uh, paper and it's quite a beautiful product actually Ah, ah, it's the thought of uh, our poor banana farmers. Though. I mean, they've gone through such a hard time lately, and uh, we might take uh, pulp or from them. I think we might break to another quick track, and this one is the one I promised you earlier. This is the Moody Blues here on Two Double X. Oh, that's a nice piece of music to round out your morning here on Community Radio 2XX 98.3 FM. My name is Rod and we are talking paper with a paper expert, Dr Tom Rainey, Research Fellow from the Centre for Tropical Crops and Biocommodities. I love the way they make really long titles for us to read on here, Tom. <laughs> Tongue twisters. <laughs> so we are talking paper and big and uh, how we make paper and what the 
the process is. And um, so, Tom, what's the quality of paper we'll be getting? We'll be using it, uh, like, for print paper? Do we use it toilet paper, packaged goods? What? How good is this paper going to be? From Begas? Yeah. 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 Oh, I mean, um, it, it's ideally suited for photocopier paper and tissues, um, although it, it is used in packaging and uh, newsprint overseas. Um, um, it's actually, its best application is, uh, is in corrugating medium. Now, if you take a box uh, and you pull apart the different layers, you know the squiggly bit in the middle uh, yep. of the flat bit? Yeah. Yep. So that's, um, the gas is actually perfect for that kind of um, application because it has uh, really stiff, really short uh, fibres, so it provides a lot of uh, rigidity to the, uh, to the box. But um, that, that's not as much common application because, of its, uh, because it is quite a short... Um, uh, uh, the cells are quite short and it's, um, it produces quite a, a soft um, uh, piece of paper which uh, um, which is perfect for printing on. And, uh, Sounds like it's perfect for toilet paper. It, 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 <laughs> it's a lot on toilet paper. Um, so, uh, yeah, and uh, also, you know, um, paper toweling and yep. so on. Yeah, it's, it's used a lot in paper toweling as well, uh, particularly like those folded um, towels as well. Um, because of the stiffness it, it, it provides to it. So, uh, yeah. so is big ass commonly uh, used overseas? Are we kind of behind the eight ball on this in Australia? Uh, are there a lot of un- other countries, I guess, taking advantage of uh, big ass and making paper from it? Well, yeah. Uh, basically, any country with a big sugar industry is probably making it for paper, uh, using it for paper. For example, India... Uh, uh, that is its number one <laughs> raw material because of the limited uh, forests uh, over there, as I understand. So, um, and China as well uh, use it extensively. Used in Argentina and Mexico, um, uh, Colombia. There's, um, there's, there's there's a huge number of countries. Uh, and and to be honest, um, probably using the gas-based paper in Australia, not realising it. Yeah. Do, um, have you had a lot of interest from the sugar farming industry? Are we lucky to actually see it in, a, in Australia? Yeah, the, um, it's, been, it's been quite mixed, um, actually. The, I've, I've had very little interest from the uh, sugar mills, unfortunately, because they're the ones that can actually uh, probably afford to build a factory. I've had a lot more interest from, uh, from the farmers, um, uh, to be honest. So, uh, I mean, my research... Um, uh, recently has been uh, underwritten by um, uh, 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 funding from, from a farming organisation in Bibinda, actually. Um, so, so they've been incredibly supportive um, of the work and uh, they want to see a commercial... Uh, well, uh, what, what's in it for them? Sorry? What, what's in it for them? Uh, well, they want to... Um, uh, farming for the Future in Bibinda, they want to uh, produce um, uh, a technology which is um, suitable for making paper out of the gas, but without the huge economic cost of a full conventional uh, uh, factory. Um, so that's, that's what I've been working on. So the fact that um, it's grown locally and so you would see a plant perhaps grown in the Bundaberg region maybe, close to the sugar farms, and you're cutting down your transport costs. So what are the economics of it? Yeah, sure. Um, this to um, reducing the capital cost of a factory is uh, to look at technologies to get rid of the uh, chemical recovery boiler. So if there's a um, uh, so if there's 
if there's a technology where you change the chemicals to make it a lot easier to recover, then um, um, that's, uh, that's a huge advantage because uh, at the, about half of the cost of a chemical uh, pulp mill is, is in the chemical recovery boiler. So let's say, for example, we replace sodium hydroxide um, and um, uh, maybe sulfur with all these inorganic um, materials which need to be then um, recovered by burning the lignin. Um, what you can do is you can pulp it with something like ethanol or methanol um, and then uh, then you simply have to uh, evaporate off the <laughs> off the ethanol or methanol and, uh, in a distillation column and uh, recover it that way. Uh, so that's one um, process that I've been looking at, yeah. Okay, well, I think uh, we might wind that up there, Tom. It's been uh, fascinating to talk to you. Uh, thank you for coming on to Fuzzy Logic. Yeah, no, thank you very much for being on your program, Rob. It's, uh, it's been fun. Yeah, an important topic, and in fact, as we speak, I am holding a piece of paper, <laughs> and it's such <laughs> handy stuff. And this is one of the things, uh, a repeating theme that I like to cover on, cover on Fuzzy Logic is the fact that we are surrounded by all this technology, all these things, but so often we don't know the story behind them. So... And one of my favourite was uh, the, the mobile phone, for example. All this stuff goes into the mobile phone. Does it grow inside a cardboard box and you pluck it from the tree at the supermarket? Uh, but paper is one of those universal products. So thank you very much, uh, Dr. Tom Rainey, who is Research Fellow for uh, from the Centre of Tropical Crops and Biocommodities from the Queensland University of Technology. So uh, with that, uh, it's time to say goodbye from us. Fuzzy Logic, my name is Rod, and good on you guys. Thank you to Kiri. Thanks so much, Rod. And Michael. Thanks for having me. It's been good. And we'll see you next week. We've got plenty more coming up on uh, Fuzzy Logic. (laughs) 